hour. When we listen and gain our knowledge and power, we turn to the no bullshit hour. No bullshit. Let's just end breaking this. Dub or bullshit. Dub or bullshit. No bullshit. <laughs> Can you hear me, Philippines? Can you hear me, Manila? You can't, bitches. You can't. We got the Facebook page back. Very proud of that. What's that? <laughs> Not that again. What's, what's the matter with all you all? Like, what happened? No show? Look, I told you before. You can go onto YouTube and look for the program. Every Saturday, it's, it starts going live there. It's on tape. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's where you go. You know, we're trying to get off of Facebook because they... What do they do, Mark? They censor. They do, big time, yeah. They do, Karen. They fucking censor. So here's what happened. Our Facebook page got hijacked by I don't know who the foreign national is, but it was in the Philippines. Somebody in the yep. Philippines took control of it. You couldn't find us last week. I promised you I'm going to get it back. We got it back. <sighs> we got it back. There should be an amazing documentary on how we got it back. We got fucking hijacked. <laughs> we got no one's an unknown dude, right, in some sweltering fucking East Asian country. And the best part is, they did nothing with it for that whole week. They didn't do anything. We're back. I told you, man. I tell you something. We know people. You fuck with us again, I'm going to get the power grid shut down in Manila. I fucking know people. You know what I mean? I do. You don't fuck with the Jesus, bro. You don't fuck with the Jesus, bro. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. That's right. Jesus? Jesus. Yeah. No, no, that's that, that'd be a Puerto Rican. This dude, <laughs> I don't even know what he was in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> no one does. That's yeah, what makes the turtles so great. Yeah. But isn't that something? Listen, here's the thing. President, Mr. Biden, any of you dummies in the Department of Defense, you need the Americans out of Afghanistan, call me. <laughs> I can get shit done. <laughs> yeah, in under a week. Well done. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? It's great. So now that everyone's back, uh, what is it? Subscribe? What does Red always say? Share, share, share. Share, share, share. Share, share, share. You can download this podcast wherever you can download them. Go to YouTube. Look for No Bullshit News Hour, right? Right. Perfect. Mm. Remember, we know people. We know people. We make calls. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Or Kid Rock, who used to live above Karen. Karen <laughs> is the guy that started Kid Rock's... The guy? Experience. <laughs> well, you know. What I say? The guy. Guy. Yeah, but see, when you in in Tagalog in Filipino, it's non gender. It's 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 masculine based. So when you're talking about, oh yeah, you're right. This is the east side of Detroit, Charlie. Okay, I'm not. In, She's I'm the not broad. <laughs> right, I listen. As far as Charlie knowing people, he knows people like me, and I can't do shit about power grid. <laughs>
Holy shit. You know, okay, you know who this is, folks? Love him, yeah. He located the foreign national that hijacked our Facebook page. He's some Scottish guy. For, for the common good. I was like, please, take this away. He's like, this He's so- about freaking Jesus video. Let me see that Jesus video again. No, Boom. no, it's a war crime. Stop it. Fuck with the Jesus, bro. Ah. Ah. All right, as always... Uh, the open of the No Bullshit News Hour brought to you by American Coney Island, Detroit's oldest family-run restaurant and birthplace of the famous Detroit Coney Dog. Downtown at the corner of Lafayette and Michigan Avenue. Can't miss it. Come on down. Slowing down. It's getting to be the winner. Keep mm. America's greatest restaurant alive. And I, you know what? Mm. I don't think, I don't know if they're hiring or not. I don't think so. Really? All those unemployment checks ran out. Everybody's yeah, coming they're back. Pretty, they're pretty well staffed down there, though, Charlie. I mean, they didn't seem to be missing a beat at all. And Grace was at the counter working as well. Look at that. Whatever it takes. And listen, if you don't want to go down, you can send a Coney kit. To Mark, you've had a Coney kit delivered to you. I've had a Coney kit. It was a delicious addition to last summer's barbecues. There you go. All right. So all you do, it's a dozen dogs with all the fixings. Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. All right. Um, um, we should just get to it. I was going to talk about former chief of police James Craig, uh, you know, kneeling yeah. At the feet of Donald Trump this week. We'll get to that later, right? We got to, since we started so late. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. You only call me when you want money. Right. <laughs> Let me do this since we're doing money. I skipped Craig. Let's talk about money. Overreaction. Nice. It's not a strategy. Is that correct, Professor? Professor you Mark White. You got to give me more. Give me more. <laughs> How do you get more? You call Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Well, 248-663-4748 for rational financial advice. By the way, Luke Nowacki of Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Big fan of Professor Mike Blythe, political economist at Brown University, uh, Watson Institute. Okay? It's a mouthful. Well, he's an Ivy League professor. He's great. This yeah. guy going to win the Nobel Prize. I've heard his podcast. He's good. I love his accent. Yeah, and he's he's a regular guy. I can get a word in Edgewood. Charlie never talks. All right, so get a strategy. Call Luke Nowacki, please. And ADR, it's pretty simple. Consultants um, are the ones you call when you need to get something done right on time, on budget. Yes, sir. Money, money. It's all about money. Save your money. Get your projects done. Don't go into foreclosure. Don't count out to the crap going on at City Hall. You got to know your rights. If you don't know your rights, you call ADR. Construction, deconstruction, demolition, rehab. Pro- you know. Project management. He'll do it. Right? Ethical, honest, smart, and discreet. Call Barry Ellentuck for free consultation at 248-318-9424. I swear to you all. In the Michigan area, I don't know a guy that can cut through the red tape and the crap like that guy. Mm-hmm. There's a reason I keep telling you. I'm telling you, I believe the nuclear winter is upon us. We're going to ask Mark. Mark, I look, man, inflation, tapering, potential default, stimulus. What is going on with our money, those of us that have some of it? Well, first of all, it's not your money. Stop. Think about it this way. We just pulled out of Afghanistan, right? How much did it cost to be there for 20 years, the two wars combined? At least $2 trillion. $6.7 trillion. Now, 
Did, did they raise any taxes for that? No. Right. Did they find it down a couch at the back of the State Department? No. Right. Did they go raid a small pension fund for widows and orphans for it? <laughs> no. Right. So in other words, they magic to out of thin air, which is what you can do if you control the US dollar, which is the global currency that everybody uses to bank in, that everybody uses to buy and sell stuff around the world, that every other government needs to actually earn in order to pay their bills for the import from people who aren't even Americans. Once you have this, you have the wonder drug that everybody needs. Every piece of debt that we sell, somebody else is buying voluntarily because they regard that as a savings bond. So let's bring some clarity to this rather than we're all going to die of debt. We had that 10 years ago, well, last time there was a big crisis, and everybody who got tight on the money and cut it all back just ended up sucking things more and more. Okay, so a savings bond. When, it, uh -huh. when inflation's going up like this, nobody wants a savings bond. They're not paying you enough interest to lock your money up for the long term. Hasn't happened yet. There's never been a bond sale where the U.S. government has failed or even come close to failure. Okay, let me ask Why? you this one. This one, okay, now remember, the, the listeners here are mm -hmm. very, very uh, sophisticated and smart, but they're not, you know, economics experts. So let's do this. How we've been funding almost everything, the government debt, our own debt, is Treasury wants to issue bonds, IOUs. I'll pay a little bit each year, pay you off, right? And you'll make a little money. But ultimately what's happening is the markets are buying it and the feds are buying it from them. So what, mm -hmm. right? So what is the Fed buying get? it from ourselves? That's absolutely right. Along with a bunch of Europeans, okay, a bunch of Europeans keep buying it as well. So until recently, the Chinese were buying tons of it, but then they got a little bit fed up. But they'll probably come back because they don't really have anything else to bank into. Hmm. So there's a question of what do you do if you're earning all this money abroad if you're a foreign country and you earn all these dollars? Well, the easiest thing to do is to turn it into an American dollar savings bond. You hold that for ten years, you get paid two percent if you're lucky. And 10 years later, they hand you back what? More dollars. It's pretty simple. They're just two different types of dollars. One of them's called a debt instrument. The other one's called cash. You don't want to hold cash? I'll give you a debt instrument. Great. You own a bond now. After 10 years, you hand me a back. What do I give you? I give you cash. That's how it works. It's that simple. So let me so go. So that's that simple. What's the risk to the US? The only risk is if the rest of the world goes, I don't want either of your funny money anymore because I don't trust you and I think you're all lunatics. Now, that may be true. They may not be trustworthy. They may all be lunatics. So here's your problem. What else are you going to buy? You're going right. to buy Swiss francs? There ain't enough. You're going to buy gold? Well, good luck with that. You'll push the price through the roof, and eventually, if you want to buy a loaf of bread, you have to turn it back into money. What's the most acceptable money? The dollar. So it ain't going anywhere. Well, let we me can go, let use me, this privilege as much as we want. I know that. I know that, but watch. The Fed buys the treasury. The government buys the treasury, uh, uh, its own debt. Where does the Fed get the money? It invents it. it. Yeah, that's what we always do. That's what we've been doing for 200 years. There's, there's nothing unusual about that. Except this. Except and this is why I was thinking of you all week long. The Fed... Oh, on something. The, no. the okay. Fed has now said, um, we're going to call... It's called tapering. We're going to dial yeah. back what we're going to actually buy from the Treasury. Meaning... Mm -hmm. If you're going to go to a uh, a regular person, a bank or an investor, you're going to have to give me more than 2% because you've been keeping it artificially low. Yeah. 
Okay. Absolutely. And as well, they should do, because ultimately we've got COVID more or less under control, particularly if you actually want to have it under control. The rest of the world is moving on with this sort of stuff. Within 12 months, it will be a distant memory. We've got all these real problems that we've disrupted. We've got people who have got no jobs. Then you've got jobs that have got no people. You've got supply chains where you've got people making stuff that's trying to come into a country, but there's no shipping containers to take it back out. Yeah, we've got a lot of things we've screwed up over the past years. And now that things are normalizing, right? So to speak, the Fed's going to go, you know what? I'm going to buy less of this stuff. I'll leave it to the market to do it. And if the market wants a higher interest rate for doing that, then that's what we'll have to pay for it. If it gets too high, guess what will happen? Recession. The Fed will start buying it again. Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. See, there you go. That's, that's smart. That's simple. But here's what's interesting to me, brother. The government's going to stop buying its own debt, which to me... But not stop. It's going to taper. taper. It's not going to be buying a shit ton of debt. It's taper. And yet... Uh, I mean, it's like me on a Friday night. After the sixth vodka, I taper off. <laughs> Except our government's so drunk on borrowing that we now got a trillion-dollar infrastructure package, a $3.5 trillion human stimulus package, not to mention the budget that never balances either. So now you want to super borrow, and you're not even borrowing your own money. What does this mean? Oh, no, no, no. That, you were right up to the last point, Charlie. You're borrowing your own money. Go back to Afghanistan. If I'd have told you, hey, I've got a great plan. The economy at this time, 20 years ago, is only worth $10 trillion. How about we spend 67% of national income on a war that achieves nothing, right? And guess what? There'll be no inflation effects. It won't actually disturb anything. It'll just be a colossal waste of time and human resources. What do you think? You would have went, you're mental. 67% of debt, you'll destroy the economy. Look at all that debt. That's absolutely crazy. What happened? Nothing. So, Mark, bring this home for the average person listening uh, in terms of that's a 30,000-foot perspective. Yeah about the economy and its impact overall. But to the person that's, you know, whether they're between jobs, yeah. collecting, what does that Here's mean to them? Here's to think about it, Con. Look, you have what economists call a budget constraint. In other words, the money that you've earned, your source of income, any assets you've got to give you an income, like a rental property you got, right? you got a limit. And if you spend beyond that limit, you get a deficit. People will lend you some money for that deficit, but eventually they'll notice your deficit's huge and they'll want more and more money, and eventually you go bankrupt. That's absolutely true for everybody who's not a country. Because when you're a country, you can get around that. Number one, I print the money. You don't print, there's no car in dollars. Personally, I would accept car in dollars at a discount. There's no way I would ever take Leduff dollars. I mean, it's written <laughs> into the name, right? So there's no way you can play that game. Another one, right? What do countries do? They make promises with these savings bonds. What they're saying is, I've been around for 300 years as a country. I'm probably going to be around for another 30. I'll give you a, a piece of paper for 30 years, and I promise I'll give you all your money back. That's a more credible promise than buying any corporate debt because most corporations are dead over 30 years. So the constraints that are on you, you don't have a printing press, nobody's accept your money. We can bring people into the family and tax them over generations, make these promises to pay. All of that stuff means that the constraints on a government are completely different. Now, is it limitless? No, but it's pretty much limitless for the United States because we have the dollar. It's 70% of everything that's traded in the world. There are more dollars borrowed and lent outside the United States than inside the United States. It's impossible for big countries to switch out of dollars because there's nothing else to buy. 
So imagine that you basically are the monopoly provider of monopoly money and people want to play monopoly and they're like, you know what? I'm fed up playing with your monopoly dollars. I want to play with someone else. And you turn around and go, good, go get your own game. Because that's basically what we do. Professor, it sounds like then um, maybe when you have a big budget or a big, you know, like with the, the infrastructure budget, you know, it, it almost seems like you wouldn't have to raise taxes based on what you describe, but yet that always goes hand in hand. You hear the concern, oh, we got a big budget. We're going to have to pay for it somehow. We spent $6.7 trillion in Afghanistan and cut taxes three times during the whole thing. Yep. How, did, how does that, if that happened, how is it then when you want to spend it on stuff that actually benefits ordinary people? Oh, no, we can't do that. That's way too expensive. Well, because I'm seeing inflation go through the freaking roof, and as a regular person, I'm scared because a, 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 a pork chop is $12, gas is $4. Um, me being a responsible guy, I did everything right, and each day I have less money after inflation. That's what Okay, but that, that's totally true and real, and there's real reasons for that to do with how the labor market blew up during COVID, how people who were in really shitty jobs like slaughtering pigs one day said, you know what, I don't want to do this for $5 an hour anymore. For the fact that people all around the world decide they don't like foreigners, they kick them out of their country and suddenly there's no lorry drivers to deliver fuel. That's what's happened in Britain, right? So guess what? We can hurt ourselves. We can do stupid shit and it shows up as inflation. What has that got to do with spending we haven't done yet? Look at the three and a half trillion. It's over 10 years. A hundred billion of each year is already priced in. Yep. So you're talking about doing half the spending that the EU's planning to do. And it's not as if they chuck our money around. So, Mark, I have a question from one of our listeners. Uh, nice listener. Wait a minute. Our listeners have a question for an economist. Are you a doctor? <laughs> Mark, are you a doctor? PhD. I have it on my credit cards on plane, very, so I get upgraded. Very, and, very, and if anybody ever has a heart attack on a plane, they're totally screwed. <laughs> okay. We have, we have okay. very smart listeners. Listen, but, listen, uh, please ask Dr. Money okay, your question. Dr. Money, what does it mean that we don't own the Fed and that they actually own the money? Because we only appoint two federal board members. It's a private institution. So what's the implications of that? What I meant by that is not who owns the Fed. What I meant is who owns the money. There's this idea that politicians have been spending for years, that it's your money that the government spends. Okay, here's the question. If it's your money that the government spends, why do you and I spend four to five months of the year earning the bits of paper that the government prints so we can hand it back to them? Hmm. It's their money. We earn it. Then they use it as taxes. So the idea that they have a constraint on the amount of money they can produce is, correctly as Charlie says, inflation. But the inflation that's going on just now has absolutely nothing to do with money we haven't spent yet. It's because we blew up the economy in COVID, and it's going to take a couple of years to shake that stuff out. I don't know if I believe that, but having said that, let's go back to what I'm hearing this a lot. The, the listener said the Fed is a private corporation. That's not true. Explain the thing. Uh, it's not a private corporation, but basically half of the seats on the board are for private banks. The whole point of the Fed was when it was established was to stop banks blowing up because they were blowing up with incredible regularity all over the country. Yes. So they needed what they called kind of like a bank of banks to step in when the shit hit the fan and everybody tried to withdraw the money at once. And you had someone that could actually add enough dollars to stop the runs on the banks. When you got to the 20s and there's a huge series of bank runs, what happened was the Fed was too conservative and it didn't actually perform that function. So it got a reboot in the 30s and 40s, and that's how you get the Fed that you have now. So, so every country in the world has a central bank. There's yes. a reason for it. If you just leave it to banks on their own, they'll lend too much private credit, 
that private credit's inherently vulnerable because it's just basically me promising to pay you back. Like, I've got a budget constraint, you've got a budget constraint, and if you lend too much, private sector debt gets very fragile. No. Public sector debt doesn't. The United States has never defaulted unless we try and do it to ourselves, which is the height of insanity. Which we're, we're going to, that'll be our last question here, but let me, let me see if I can do regular English. Correct me if I'm wrong. Listener, here's the thing. They say that the reason we created the Fed was, uh, you know, employment and low interest rates that yeah, or low inflation. That's what we want. That comes in in the 40s. The Fed yes. created yes. before that. The, the reason the Fed was created, remember, let, let's take COVID. <coughs> you start getting spooked. There's no toilet paper. Inflation's going up. You go to the bank and you're like, I want all my money back. I don't trust the bank is going to have my money if I want to take it all out. That's what happened in the Great Depression. What the Fed does, the central bank, is if there's a run on the bank, they're able to put money into the system. Banks are able to loan to each other. So whatever you want, you can get. And there's no panic in the financial system. Correct, Mark, more or less? Absolutely correct. And it's also why we have that thing you see in the door of a bank, FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, that insures your bank account so that in the event that the bank goes completely boom, you are guaranteed to get at least to the level of the insurance your money back. So, listener, I'm uh, frustrated, as you are. That's why we have Dr. Money on. But the Fed is absolutely necessary. It's there for a reason. And if it wasn't, we'd all be eating each other right about now. Mark, you have a question? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess this is going to sound very simple, doctor. But what what do you think is the biggest threat right now to the American economy? Like, what will really hurt us right now? America. <laughs> like our capacity to hurt ourselves is truly astonishing in what if way? we didn't have this thing called the dollar that everybody else needs like we would we would be in deep doo-doo because if you think about it imagine i described a foreign country to you that goes like this hey there's this foreign country out there it's big and it's powerful they had an election and half the country thinks it was stolen there's been independent people come in and checked it and shit it doesn't seem to be stolen at all but like they're really egging it up on this and they really believe it's been nicked uh, they're also changing the way people can vote, right? They're putting lots of political people in charge of the voting process all over the country. They're effectively making it really hard to register to vote in some places. They're tightening up a whole bunch of social laws as well in certain parts of the country. And they're just keeping people permanently amped up, angry and permanently divided. Get this, this country is so whack job. There's a huge public health disaster and they managed to turn vaccines, which actually work, into a divide in politics, right? Now, if I said to you, would you lend that country any money? You'd be like, no, absolutely not. That place is going to blow up. Mark's and one of, got, one of those parties, one of those parties trying to threaten a default to prove a point. This is the deal. That's where we're going. Mark was rolling his eyes, but it, it doesn't well, matter if he's rolling his eyes. No, that's, I wasn't rolling my eyes. You were rolling your well, eyes. I was wondering, like, why? I mean, why do those things specifically? I'll answer this, Dr. Yeah. Money. No, I'll answer this because. <laughs> and you behave this way. You're a massive default risk. Yeah, Do Dr. Dr. Money, Dr. Money, Dr. Money, Dr. Money. It's like this. I'm not going to like loan my money to a fucking lunatic. So <laughs> it's a good thing that the lunatic controls the money. That's what he's saying. This shit's well, getting, uh, it's getting fucking man. looney tunes right. to our last point, which is. We've got till October 18th to raise the debt limit because we don't have the money to pay for what we all are using. Hold on. Let's think about this. No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. 
you don't have the money. That's like we don't have the money to fight Afghanistan, and we found 6.4 trillion. You have an artificial thing called a debt limit, yeah. which is a bit like me saying, I'm only going to drink five drinks a week. It's that effective. Because I know I'm going to blow right through that and I'm going to get to eight. I just raised my debt limit. Did I not have enough booze? Bullshit. Well, that's like saying, I'm going to just have five. I'm out of money. Pour me some more because I'm the motherfucker that well, actually prints money. the money. I'm the bartender. I'm the bartender. I got a whole stack of booze here. I it doesn't come out of nowhere, Dr. Money. Somebody got to get paid does. at the end of this. It really does. It literally comes out of nowhere if you are the U.S. government. What happens? If, what happens? Where does the money come from? What happens if we default? What happens if we don't raise well, the, the only debt? people would default is if we did it to ourselves. I know, but let's say yeah. we do it to ourselves. What's going to happen? Okay, then bad shit happens, right? Uh, if you default, first of all, all the people who work for the government to get a paycheck, that's not good. Uh, if you really keep it going, all the people who live off Social Security don't get a check, that's good. Then the, basically the suppliers to the United States don't get paid, and that's bad. Then the really interesting shit happens. The credit rating agencies come in and downgrade you, and everybody who holds American debt is kind of like the foundation of their of their financial assets because they're triple A rated or double A rated. Let's say it drops down to a single A. They have to sell all those bonds. The minute they sell all those bonds the dollar crashes, your ability to have all those cheap imports and, and Walmart disappears. You think you got inflation now? Wait till that shit happens and Walmart prices go up by 20%. So yeah, you can really hurt yourself. But remember, you'd be doing it to yourself. <laughs> and it goes like this, you know, for, for my regular folks out there, you loaned your brother a hundred bucks. He didn't pay you back last time. Yeah. He comes for another hundred bucks. You're like, dude, you're going to have to give me 150. So if we don't, pay if we don't raise the debt ceiling if we default that means anytime that we as a country want to borrow again the amount of interest the federal government's got to pay for that debt just skyrockets we're paying more money and getting less stuff even more you're absolutely right even more significant than that what happens is you're playing right in the hands of china Right. Because they're not going to default. They don't play any of these bullshit games. They're just going to basically say, you don't want, you don't trust the dollar anymore. Yeah, have some of these. They're fake. Nobody trusts China. Some kind of somewhere in there. What's that? <laughs> Is that a form of usury somewhere in there? Well, I mean, you know, interest traditionally is usury, but usury is only considered usury when you're kind of abusing the person. This wouldn't be abuse. It would be self-inflicted abuse. I was going to say, we feel abuse. <laughs> okay, so Mark, listen, thanks. Last question here. Like, um, what does this do? What are the implications for, say, Medicare? Uh, well, you'd have to actually, you'd have to not just default for a couple of weeks to hurt Medicare. I mean, to really gum things up, you would need to basically default, refuse to negotiate with your creditors, completely stop paying and essentially destroy the world economy. At which point Medicare would be in flames, but so would everything else. So there's no immediate threat to Medicare, but basically government payments will be held up for as long as the shutdown happens. Uh, it's not clear to me that they'll go that way. But again, let me go back to that thing where I told you the story about the foreign government, where like they've got all the they're completely divided politics. I don't even think that the Republicans, if they do this, will pay an electoral price this time because they've got people so amped up. What they're going to do is they're going to play this card and say, we had to default because the spending was out of control. And people will go, oh yeah, okay. Even though that makes about as much sense as shooting yourself in the head with an arrow. So they'll probably get away with it if they want to. What about mortgage rates? 
Well, I mean, Charlie, you can pick any indicator you want. Defaulting is bad. It might have an effect on these things. But the real effect is on confidence in the currency. That's what you really need to worry about over the long run. And that's that. I know you got to go. If you want to hang, hang. If you don't, don't. What are you going to do? Tell us right now, Dr. Money. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, I got to go do shit. I got a job to do. <laughs> unlike, unlike you, unlike you, my friend, I got a job to do. Uh, that's okay. I got into Bitcoin early, bro. I know you did. Absolutely. And, and I didn't. And that's why I hate you. I'm not getting into Bitcoin. <laughs> All right, man. I love you. Thank you really so much for your time, man. It's always, All right. always no worries, a pleasure. Talk to you soon. All, All right, the best, man. everyone. Thank Thank you. You. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, he is, man. I know. He is. Simple. But, oh, know, people exactly. have concerns, Charlie, you know, whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicare, whether it's mortgage rates, all of those things, because those are the immediate uh, brick walls that, 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 we, that we face or encounter. That's exactly right, Karen. And, and that's why I want to tell you you know, that the government makes all sorts of rules and regulations. It seems like there's hundreds of rules just uh, when you're supposed to sign up. Yeah. Right? You would, get it I, wrong, you could be dealing with late enrollment penalties for life. You need help. Then you have to worry about what's covered, what's not, whether you can afford your prescriptions or even see the doctors you want to see because they're going to get paid. Of course, the government doesn't make it easy, right? No. You God, heard no. Dr. Money. Not at all. That's where Mediguide comes in. <laughs> I just like that. It was segment. very smooth. The licensed agents at Mediguide do nothing but Medicare all day long. You call, they answer. You ask, they answer your question. They're local to Southeast Michigan, so you can meet them face-to-face if you want. Right? If you're vaxxed mm-hmm. and got your boost, whatever, whatever you feel. They make sure you understand your options and pick the one that's best for you. And best of all, the services come at no cost to you. Hear that? No cost. You pay nada. So when you're turning 65 or get ready to retire, call Mediguide at 888-970-2940 or go to yourmedicareguide.com for an appointment, right? And of course, what about those mortgage rates? They've never been lower. Call somebody, man. I mean, you don't even have to be ready to sell or to buy or to refi. Get organized. See, we can't do it all for you on this program. Hello, Manila. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what you're doing over there, but over here we call them Hall Financial, right? Who close the majority of their loans in eight business days or fewer. Still a great time to refi and to buy, right? Uh, they don't require an appraisal. Save up to 750 bucks right there. Get pre-approved the same day. Did you know that? I did not. That's you pretty, didn't know that? That's, that's insane. That's and you can, you know, and you get that with Hall Financial's unique process and Advanced technology. Really? Advanced technology, wow. where Karen. I, where do I find all this? Karen, advanced technology at Hall Financial. I'm listening. I'm listening. They got it over there at Hall Financial, right? Yeah, like you're going to get the five-star treatment there. That's why they got five-star reviews. Uh, call 248-308-5000. Tell them we sent you. Or go to David Hall Financial. Morgan. They, right. fuck, it's not right? on. Let me write it down, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just use the phone. DavidAllMortgage.com. David, here, here. David Hall. H A L L Mort. M O R. Yeah, M G. Finish, finish spelling it, Mark. Yes, finish it. <laughs> Come on, man. What? How do you spell mortgage? Uh, M O R T G A G E. Very good. Dot com. See, I'm a terrible that, speller. Too. That's spelled mortgage. 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 David Hall, mortgage.com. <laughs> All right, get it done. I'm all messy over here. There's so much going on. 
All right. That's how I learned how to spell pigeon in school. Piggy on. Piggy on? Piggy on. That's when I was, I just, when you said more age. Anyway, don't worry about it. I'm just. Yeah, I do this one. Desperate separate. I hope I never have to spell pigeon ever for the rest of my life. God, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I always very got useful. it right. <laughs> I don't know why I would need to, but. I'm just so worried about it. I know it. how to spell it. B-I-R-D. Bird. <laughs> See, I can do that. I'm just very so, good, Mark. I'm just really uptight about, like, everything. Like, you know, my kid and school and managing it and the focus and the mm-hmm. future and, you know, the price of housing. and Life is hard. And crime. But- but who put us on this on this schedule that, you know, you've got to you go to school, you go to college, you get married, you have a family, you retire at 65, you work nine to five. Like, whose idea was this? You forgot the last part. Death. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, everything's so calculated, so formalized. Like, what if, what if I don't want to retire at 65? What if I don't want to, you oh. know, what if I don't want to? Then what? Well, according to Dr. Money, we just print shit and we can all eat forever. All right. <laughs> but now they want to, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. You got a few bucks in the bank, like they told you. And if you just leave it in the bank, do you know you lose money now? So what should I, I mean, what do you, and that's what I should have asked. Like, what, what should we be doing with it? You know, do you hold it and, you know, put it under, under, under a rock somewhere? Do you buy something? I, I understand precious metals at one point were supposed to be a good investment, but what do you do with it? Call Luke. Call Luke Nowak yet. Luke. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Go Milky ahead. dance. You call Luke. Financial specialist, pinnacle well at two for eight. <laughs> two reads. Did you know he's separately on an operate? Huh? Yeah. What? I don't know, Ooh. Karen, but you know, I mean, I don't want to give that out. Then everybody yells at you. I mean, nobody really knows. Don't well, listen. yeah, and I was asking rhetorically. Yeah. I mean, that I think that people, you know, want to know. I mean, if people have worked or saved or have access to a couple dollars, what do they do with it? You know, I mean, if, if you keep it in cash, that's not generating any real money. You know, if you invest in something like Chase, they, you know, they have their private client, but hell, you pay them fees like out of the wazoo. Like, what do you do with it? What is money for? We're all <laughs> wondering. Give it away. We're all wondering. That's, you know, that's why we're like we're community. You could do something like maybe set up an offshore Facebook stealing account. <laughs> maybe you do that. You didn't get it, motherfucker. I told Nobody you. Nobody with the Jesus. <laughs> I don't fuck with the Jesus. I told you I was getting my Facebook back. Y'all. Well, you better hope your Facebook doesn't put you in jail. So, you okay. know. <laughs> oh, how did it happen? That's good. You want to know how this happened? Is everybody's bitching and pointing and like community standards and you're not telling the truth? You're ratting on each other. Yep. Like it's Texas with the abortions, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and what happened was like, I got the official Facebook notice, like a lot of you got, like, you need to answer this. I go, what the? I didn't do shit. I didn't do shit. It's a clean program. So I go in there and I click it, put in my name, I put in my password, and it doesn't do anything. And then I look at the URL and go, fuck. Yep. That ain't a Facebook account. A now, sinking feeling. Now that's gotta be thank you, Facebook, for getting it back for me, yeah. doing all the work. But you gotta clean your shit up. Because if I hold up a pack of cigarettes, your algorithm, right, realizes what it is, and then it mutes us or it takes it down. 
and yet people are stealing your logo, the look of your complaint page, right? Yeah. You can't stop that. Yeah. They're mining us. Yeah, and there are people that, you know, they do ghost pages. They steal your pictures. They steal, you know, all this stuff and create a whole nother identity um, for who you present yourself to be anyway. Yeah, so, so you know, fuck yeah. you too, man. You loser. You got nothing to say, nothing to do. Facebook, not your life. It means nothing. For some people, it is, Charlie. It is amazing. I mean, social media has become, I mean, real life for people, especially during the pandemic. I mean, Facebook has been around for, what, 10 years now, 11 years? It's crazy. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we gotta Facebook, get on TikTok. Maybe, <laughs> face, yeah, maybe right. Facebook wasn't around for ten. Maybe that was a fraud. Didn't maybe. They, and they stole it. Yeah, did Facebook <laughs> they stole, stole it from the, the well, face, I don't know. That's the wiggle but, lie. But I tell so you, really real. <laughs> I tell you what's really going on though. Our future is dying, and it's the kids. If black lives matter as much to politicians around here as they like to say, then why is a child in Detroit 1,000% more likely to be struck by gunfire than the average American kid? Why is a child in Detroit under the age of 18 years 300% more likely to die by the gun? See, here in Detroit, the future is literally dying before our eyes and no one in a position of power has said a word about it. Dig, the FBI national crime data for 2020 was released this week. Y'all remember 2020 crime exactly one year ago today was the issue. Member, member, we're all freaked out watching the TV. Yep. Okay, the numbers are out and the numbers paint a portrait as bleak as it is outrageous. It was the most violent year in the United States in a generation and Detroit ranks second Neck and neck with Memphis, Tennessee. The only two cities with 2,000 or more violent crimes per 100,000 people. Only two. According to those FBI stats, as well as data I got from the Detroit Police Department under the Freedom of Information Act that took over a year, as you all know, and an analysis of a website, go to it if you're interested in things like this, the Gun Violence Archive. Here's the analysis. One of every 40 children shot in the whole country last year, one in 40, was a citizen of the Motor City. 110. Hold on. You want some perspective? Do you? That's double yeah. the rate per capita of megatropolis such as Chicago and Philadelphia. You know the ones in the news? Our kids are getting hit at twice the level of those towns and nobody says dick. So what's being done about it? Very little, it turns out. Mayor Mike Duggan, who's running for a third term, continues to bury his head. And I know some of you are listening. If you work for him, I got nothing against you. But it's true. He refuses to debate his opponent, Anthony Adams, because Duggan seems to know what we all know. If nobody brings up the issue of crime and quality of life for our children, and certainly they're all of our children, right? The press corps certainly not going to do it around here. We got a six-hour news cycle on this, the most important issue last year, and nothing. So, Mr. Mayor, how's that skyscraper coming along? 
James E. Craig, the former chief of police under Duggan, is running for governor on his record of law and order. And that record suspect. And yet, the press peppers him with questions about abortion rather than the health and well-being of the children living on the streets of Detroit. Mr. Chief, do you think you're going to get that Trump endorsement, sir? And Governor Whitmer. Well... She's sitting on a mountain of money, $10 billion left over that was sent by President Joe Biden, who has implored governors like Whitmer to spend the COVID windfall on public safety because of the runaway crime. But what does Whitmer do? She takes a famous knee and then punts the issue. How's the electric highway coming along, madam? Uh. Meanwhile... The city's children are shot in their car seats. They're shot at Little League games. They're shot riding their bicycles on Sunday afternoon. Surely you care. The ruling class wants to blame COVID cabin fever and the George Floyd anti-police backlash for the explosion in gun violence. But that's a cop-out. Now dig. Doing the work. Police data shows that the number of children shot in Detroit was skyrocketing before the pandemic. In the six months before the COVID lockdown in Michigan, the shootings of children in Detroit had increased by a whopping 50%. What's more, during the two-month span from March 23rd to May 25th, that's when Governor Whitmer ordered people to stay at home and the day George Floyd was murdered at the hands of police, right? The shootings of children in Detroit increased 375% from the same period in 2019. Let that sink in. It was neither cabin fever nor anger with the police, at least not in Detroit, our home, our capital city, where all of our dollars go. It was the lack of police presence itself when the police aren't around, people commit violence. And you remember, hundreds of officers were self-quarantining in that spring spike. It's called the lack of deterrence. 375% increase in the shooting of children 17 to one month old. Defunding the police is not the answer. I stand by that. Yes, the government needs to spend money on many other things. But not skyscrapers, not hockey arenas, not hotels. Many other things which include the police. Funding the police is the answer. Good cop, it's part of the answer. Good cops cost money. Think about it. And as it stands, Detroit is struggling to keep its good cops because the city does not pay them adequately. That's a fact. And we shouldn't be surprised. Detroit has been America's most violent city five times since its historic bankruptcy in 2013 and runner-up three times more. The common thread? That was all being managed by Duggan and Craig. Violence. That's why Detroit continues to empty out, Mr. Mayor. People love their children.
There's no greater reason. So I'll say it again. Black lives matter. And black children's lives matter most. And that includes two-year-old Bryson Christian, who was murdered by gunfire on the highway this summer in a case of mistaken identity. So, do more, Mr. Mayor. Do more, Mr. Chief. Do more, Madam Governor. And while you're at it, say his name. Huh. Yeah, Charlie, that was a powerful piece. I mean, and, and it carries a lot of weight. I mean, it should be taken seriously. I don't think it's something that we should just hear and move on. We, like Mark said, we got to take it in, absorb it, and 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 walk with the impact of that on our shoulders. That's that's a lot. I mean, the cops not being paid. We've been having that conversation for ninety nine years. Gun violence taking you know kids' lives throughout the city. That's been happening for long. And at one point, you used to hear at least a community outcry. You have balloon releases after this happens, and then you don't hear anything else. It's It's been normalized, and that's unfortunate. Well, you know, that's true, Karen and Mark. But I also notice that it's been normalized in a sense. Now we don't even talk about it. The media won't even talk about it, and you all yeah. know it. Yeah. You know the biggest newspaper in Michigan doesn't even have anybody's full-time covering mm. the police. Yeah. That children do matter. And no, I don't need to come home. I don't even know who does anymore. Turns on the local news. And I'm just treated to an onslaught of violence. What I would rather have you do is tell me why we can't stop it. I want you to get involved. You know, I, all you do is show up at uh, the, uh, the mother of a, a baby victim, get the tears, pump it out there, scare people about violence of the black city, right? Cause further division. There's so much beauty going on and the real future is the babies and you're doing nothing that you wouldn't even admit how fucking bad this place is being run. There's no plan. The police picking up 500 guns a month. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're not working, but why so many guns? There's plenty of- Because everybody's got one now. There's plenty mm -hmm. of um, analysis as to why it is so bad right now. But as you point out, why not start by getting more police and paying them so you have better police. Why is that such a hard starting spot? That 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 is something Mark that has that should have been done years ago. However, that is not the core contributor to the crime to crimes, but it is a major deterrent. Um and I do think that, you know, we we have to have that. But people that are sitting around and and organizations and talking about what to do about people that commit or are victims of crimes know nothing about it. Not, most of them don't live here. They are afraid of the people that uh, that appear on the news as either the victims or the perpetrators. I mean, you've got to figure out, you know, these are social, economic, deep rooted contributing factors that people don't want to go into the neighborhoods and find out who are the who, who are the people being impacted most by this issue. So, and so they're, they're making a decision from behind a desk at 30,000 feet above. And so nothing ever happens. Or not even, not that either. I hear you, Black Lives Matter as well. I hear you. There ain't you shit. There, there ain't shit. I get that. But these things, like you said, that's 100 years old, Karen. What do we do? How do we lift boats? We had Mark on. There, see, there's a structure to this program about are we going to do social spending or not? You, you heard what Mark said. Maybe it's good with the wage inequality. But from the jump right now, right now, Right now, what can we do right now? 
I can't write a law and make a dude love his baby. I can't write a law and make a dude get off his ass, go to work. Right? Mm-hmm. But I can I can have some police presence at a little league football game. So three punks don't come up and light it up. I mean, it's easy. I'm not arguing the inequities in this country. Everybody's frustrated because of it. But that's not the answer. When you hear people in the neighborhood say that that's what they want, I don't know why it's so hard to provide it. And, you know, again, who speaks for the neighborhood? Nobody's listening to the neighborhood. Nobody lives in the neighborhood. You know, I mean, I I heard they were talking about the reason why Duggan wasn't going to debate um, Anthony Adams was because he was being divisive, that he had moved to Troy and then came back. Well, did people forget that Mike Duggan never lived here? I mean, I mean, where are our memories on this? So that to me wasn't a very good argument. And so people aren't here. They're not from here. They don't know the people here. They're afraid to speak to the people here. There's a severe disconnect. Well, and I know this. I know the creeps in this town. I know how the shit works. And I've been telling, and it's all coming true. You see the raids on City Hall. You, you see the graft and the giveaway. You, you see Andre Spivey city councilman pleading guilty to take envelopes. And this is for everybody goes to a ball game. This is for everybody that goes to the opera house. This is everybody goes downtown and get a Coney dog, American Coney Island at Lafayette, Michigan Avenue. Very delicious. You get your car towed, man. It costs too much. They've taken, the representatives have taken your well-being and stuffing their fat face for the price of a cheap suit. It's incredible. So, y'all remember our good buddy, one of the best social comedians in America, Detroit Red, is on Andre Spivey because that's his city councilman. So, I was going to go down there and cover it, but I, I think I think we just keep letting Red develop. I he's filed a report. I haven't seen it, and I'm <laughs> my pins and needles too. Pretty excited. It's going to be good. And. This is comedian Detroit Red here with NBN News. And guess who the fuck I finally caught up with this week? That's right, Reverend Andre Spivey. After weeks of trying to chase his punk ass down at his house. Hello, how you doing today? Wondering if I could ask Mr. Spivey some questions? I finally went to the one place I knew he had to be in federal court earlier this week to plead guilty to bribery charges concerning towing contracts in Detroit. I tried to catch up with Reverend Andre Spivey outside the courthouse with the rest of the reporters to get some questions answered. But the motherfucker is so fast and sneaky, he was in his Cadillac Escalade and whisked up Lafayette before I could catch my breath from running across the damn street. I can tell you, you know everything now. (laughs) So after smoking a cigarette and catching my goddamn breath, I made it back across the street with the rest of the reporters to get a couple quick questions in with Reverend Andre Spivey's lawyer. Now that he's playing guilty, will he be stepping down in this position? Yes, he, uh, he will be. Yes, counseling. that's a good question. He will hand in his letter of resignation tomorrow. One of the payments of twelve thousand for campaign fundraising. He said it went to an artist at the event. Do you yeah. know who that artist was? <laughs> I don't know. I do not know who that artist was. Okay. At any point, will Mr. Spivey be issuing a public apology to his constituents for being caught up in this bribery and? 
basically I, losing the trust of the people. I, I expect him to do that. Shit, I'm getting so good, even other reporters is jumping on the end of my questions. Why do you think he was not up and talking to us today and apologizing Well, today? he will talk to you in the future. He and I guess we'll get that goddamn apology the next time the Lions win a fucking Super Bowl. Good luck with that shit. Stevie Wonder will be able to see the street that was named after him before that happens. At this point, I don't even want no goddamn apology from Andre Spivey. That shit ain't gonna be worth the cheap suit he bought, the first goddamn bribe he got. And that's my whole point. For the Lelands and the Spiveys and whoever the hell, hell else we about to find out, I'm tired of you motherfuckers coming in here and treating Detroit and Detroit residents like we all low rank hoes that's supposed to get fucked while you get whatever you want. That's exactly what happens when a motherfucker accept bribes and vote and do shit to help influence anything that affects the residents of the fucking city. Oh, I want a box of crab legs. Whatever the vote is, Detroit get fucked. Oh, I need the rims and drinks and dinners. Oh, whatever the vote is, Detroit get fucked. Oh, I need entertainment for my birthday party that's supposed to be a fundraiser. Detroit get fucked. Well, Detroit is tired of getting fucked. And we tired of suffering. With increased crime, our children being more likely to get killed than damn near anywhere else in the country, a lack of a sufficient police force, a lack of resources to prosecute crime. We don't need the people that we voting for and putting in position to look out for us, telling us to get fucked so they can get what they want. To that I say, a big fuck you. This is your boy, comedian Detroit Red, reporter for NBN News, as well as a resident of District 4 and the city of Detroit. We'll get to the bottom of it one way or another. Deuces. It's pretty good. Red. Yeah. Except I know you're listening to Red, so share, share, share. Here, a couple of things. I like your rant at the end, but uh, he played guilty. How many fucking years is he facing? Three five, to, three to five, I believe. Three. Thank you, Karen. And when will he be sentenced? In January. Thank you, Karen. Red, you see that? Like, call Karen. Not me. <laughs> All right. Well, but you know, but you know what? Though, Charlie, nose. everybody else, everybody else has brought that up. Red brought a different perspective that <laughs> nobody has shared. So you know, I mean, it, it's good. I mean, that's pretty. It's been repeated uh, throughout. So well, we, we got to have that too. Got to have it too. But Red's is better. Yeah. Fuck you, man. Cheap suit motherfucker. And, you know, hey, Red, good job, man. Share, share, share. Comedian Detroit Red. Where's his shit? Real quick, man. Where is that thing? He having a comedy show. We'll, we'll, we'll post it. All right? He's having a comedy show uh, in October on Sweetest Day. We'll, we'll take care of that. But what's what happening here? Sweetest day? Yes, what I say? I said, what is Sweetest Day? What What is that? It's what another, day is that? It's another day I get in trouble for sitting on my ass and not being a good enough husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got this. I had to threaten to sue the city like I told you all. Yeah. Here's the search and seizure warrant for the city hall raid. Also, the attachments and the receipts of what they received. What were they looking for? What would they take? You all will know that Spivey was caught on wire taking bribes, dumbass, from 
An undercover FBI agent and a guy working for the FBI, this according to Deadline Detroit, my home sweet home, during a meeting at a Gross Point uh, uh, diner, Spivey wrote on a text on his cell and showed it to the informant hmm. who was sitting next to the undercover FBI guy, his writing in code whispering, asking if he could trust the business associate who was actually the undercover agent. Wow. So that tells you right there he meant to do it. It yeah. wasn't in the ooh-ooh-ooh. Yeah, it wasn't an accident. Now, here's what they took when they were basically looking for Councilman Benson and Councilwoman Janae Ayers. Here's a receipt of what they took. They took towing documents, financial documents, uh, copies of deposited checks, towing documents and checks, um, thumb drives, a computer hard drive, shredded documents, and an envelope from Troy's towing on the east side. An envelope. A single envelope? A single envelope. Was so, it empty? I'm assuming it was, Karen, because they're pulling bank records where this money go, et cetera. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to post all that, too. This this kind of lets you know where they're going. And then the, An envelope, huh? The, Rob Snell reported today in the Detroit News. <laughs> if you're listening to the show, I've already been doing it. I called him up today. I go, I got you on that one because he's a killer. It's great. Here's what we know from the wiretap. Remember when I did that shit behind the desk with all the cement on it and stuff? Mm -hmm. Who's mentioned on the Briber King Gasper Fiori's wiretaps? Former chief of police, James Craig. Current chief of police, James E. White. Mayor Duggins mentioned on there. I know. Guilt by association doesn't mean it's guilt, right? Yeah. But the chief of police now is trying to explain what he's doing at a collision joint, right? Where the guy was charged with stealing cars and they own a piece of a towing company and they're giving cars to the police. And when Monica Conyers got out of the can, they hired her and the now current chief of police is hanging out there. Jesus. Got some issues. The sergeant in charge of towing back then, right? Yeah is now the chief of staff to the current police chief who back when all this shit was going on was the assistant chief police. You see what we got. Final final question I got. The whole bribery and mess goes to the city council trying to take the towing contracts and rotation away from the police and the police commission, put it to city council to vote on, which I don't have any faith, seeing as they're all going to prison, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it gets bottled up for it gets bottled up for two years. They're fighting. So right, the chief of deputy chief of police goes to prison for taking bribes in this shit. It's all bottled up. That's uh, Celia Washington. Yes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the feds hit city hall, and Mike Duggan has the power to change this shit in two weeks. When in, they couldn't do it for two years. Oh no no no! We stay on this. That does not smell. Smell good. This is unbelievable. Girl, yeah. There's a lot of money in towing. And I told you this when this first came up. I said, this feels like a wag the dog kind of situation. Let's bring let's bring something to light. Let me fix it and put it where I want it to be. Almost like the land bank, almost like these other things so that there is control over it and control over the money and who gets the business. People have to watch the details very carefully. Trust me on this, Karen. That's right. Damn. Hey, folks out there. Towing's lucrative. I've never met so many dumb millionaires in my life. <laughs> They're sloppy ones. It's Detroit too, Towers. This is the dumbest ass yeah. group of millionaires I ever met. And you can figure out why.
You can figure out why. It's in front of your face. I've been telling you. Here's the next hustle. Y'all heard about the book Cadillac Hotel? Yeah. Downtown? Yep. The big motherfucker? That's a broke. <laughs> yeah, being sold, right? Yeah, they, they put $200 million into it like in, you know, 2008. Looked great. It's appraised for $80 million now. Mm -hmm. So that's a loser. Kind of been telling you, don't put your investment in speculative shit downtown. All right, so he owes $77 million, the owner of this hotel, in a very complex scheme. He found a guy to buy it, hmm. right, for $77 million. Yeah. Okay, great. Somebody out of Chicago. The guy out of Cleveland who owns a hotel in Detroit found a guy in Chicago <laughs> to buy it, right? Sure. Meanwhile, the investment bank that actually loaned him the money, right, Yeah. is on the hook. So here's the deal. The guy that owns it wants to sell it to the guy from Chicago for $77 million, but they want $30 million from us in, <laughs> in property tax abatements. Oh, we don't, we don't got to pay no property tax for 10 years. That's It's oh, $30 million in the brokest city in America. $30 million. Well, they probably ask for it because they'll probably get it. Boom. So I'm here to tell you, the business writers in this town, they sell you out, man. They ain't, they ain't going for it. They, they report on the paper. Here's the play. The guy that loaned the money to the dude from Cleveland, right? Mm -hmm. The hedge fund dude. You're on the hook, right? What you would do in a capitalistic society is he defaults. You own it, bitch. It's your hotel now. You're going to hire a management firm to run the hotel. We're not going to board it up because you need to find a buyer. And the buyer, if I'm doing the math correctly is going to pay you $47 million. Make sense so far? Yeah. Karen? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, it does make perfect sense. At the same time, Wayne County and Detroit get paid their property tax. Mm -hmm. we're, we're made whole. We're made whole. Hmm. But yet somehow we're being sold that, hi, mom. Hey, mom, they want you to pay for it, mom. You know what I mean? They got a budget. You notice everything goes up. And that's how your water bill goes up, your taxes go up, your property tax. They want you to do it, Ma. And you know my Ma. My Ma, this, my ma encourages me every week to look at this shit for her girlfriends and her grandchildren. Fuck that. Fuck that, hedge fund. You pay for it. Bad deal. Everybody stop, start bombarding City Hall. Yeah, tell them to say no. No fucking way. How many envelopes are going around for this deal? Yeah. You, it's called capitalism. But what we got in America is crony corporate socialism where the government picks the winners. No, man. Yeah. That's your hotel. That's it. And that hotel was never profitable, business writer. You got to know this. Oh, you mean it just wasn't COVID? No, it wasn't COVID. What? I thought everything was because they weren't, of COVID. They weren't playing the city back. Yeah. You know, and the, the, first of all, they got a lot of tax breaks, and the city gave them some, a piece of their federal money that you stiffed them on, had to go to court, settle pennies on the dollar. You didn't pay the uh, pension funds in Detroit that also invested in it. Everything went to, it never, it, it was never right. I'm not always been screwed. <laughs> It's a, lovely, I, it's a lovely building. I talked to a big real estate uh, dealer in the area yeah. about this. I, I need to get expert sure. analysis because I don't just come yelling. And he said to me, what the fuck? Really? Yeah. 
The owner of the note calls in the note. I don't got the money. The collateral is the hotel. Let me give you one real quick. <sighs> I got a friend. He had a home in Pontiac. Bought it for 40 grand. He had 10,000 equity in it. Okay. Owes 30 grand on it. 2008 hit. Yep. Mm. He's fucked. Right? Couldn't yeah. pay it underwater. Loses it. Let's say it was worth 20 grand. It, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It got... Yeah, because underwater, yeah. It got foreclosed. The bank sold it for 20 grand. He owed 30. Imagine if he said to a buyer, hey, man, I know the value is 20, right? <laughs> but give me 30. <laughs> and the city is going to give me, the homeowner, a 10-year tax abatement yeah, to make happen. everybody whole except for all my fucking neighbors and the city itself. That didn't happen for any of us. So why this asshole? Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Wow. Right. But Carly, uh, Charlie, people no. that should have some huh. degree of business acumen, whether it's real estate transactions, if you're a business reporter, these are things just baseline you should either know or do like you did, go find someone to ask. Because the average person will just unfortunately believe, you know, when they hear this administration say, hey, you know, in order for us to, you know, we can't have this building sitting here, we're going to have to do A, B, and C to save the image of the city. None of that is correct. But if nobody asks, nobody challenges it, and nobody knows, then everybody just goes along with that narrative. Yeah. Okay. So now you just got me going. Now I'm in flames. Okay. You, the business writer dude, that keeps tweeting pictures of the Hudson's Tower and there's not even a design plan for the tower. It's the little sub building next to it. <laughs> December 4th is the four year anniversary of groundbreaking. You've got the skeletal parts for two floors four years later. It's a, it's a red herring. There's no hotel attached to it. We can't find any financing except for the hundreds of millions of dollars you and I out there gave to the developer with no guarantee that we get it back if he doesn't finish it. They're pushing broccoli around the plate, bro. So you keep doing it, right? I got all the stuff you wrote. I'm watching. You keep doing it. Whatever ends up there is on you. You're, you're the toady for these people. The same as the people that don't look after the children and don't look after the police and don't look after the money and don't look after city council. You're on it. I'm sorry. Fuck it. It's all on now. Yeah, they're supposed to be I won't be going back to work for, for no media in, in, in this area unless you want me to run it. Because that's who needs to go. Not the reporters. The motherfuckers that run this shit. You cowards. It's garbage. Is it, Karen? Charlie, Back you're absolutely me up. right. But like we've said before, people are more interested in being friends and invited, you know, to the receptions and being in the camera shot than they are holding these folks accountable. And it shows. That sums it up for me. God damn, man. You're sucking off my mom. Kids are dying. Shit's not getting built. And nobody keeps track. They're supposed to be the watchmen. So that's Mark, you know, Mark, Dr. Money, Mark Blight. Mm -hmm. He's he's from 30,000 feet, but uh, he doesn't see this bullshit. Oh, and breaking news. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, geez. It's a little whiff. That's going to take me a while. Breaking news. Okay. Those long-term care facility deaths are going to be higher. 
when we're going to know, I don't know. And how high, I don't know. But they're going to be higher. Get ready, Whitmer. Great. Okay, there's going to be a knockdown election season. Breaking news that I broke yesterday. <laughs> Broken news. Former Detroit Chief James Craig goes to lick the kneecaps of Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago, hoping to get the endorsement. Didn't get the endorsement. Doesn't mean he's not going to get it, but he didn't get it. And Trump has said not to be impressed with his physical stature. His physical stature. Yeah, just, just telling you. Okay. That well. sounds creepy. Well, you know how Trump do. <laughs> you know how Trump do. Well, there's a lot of imagery involved. That's fair. Yeah. You know how Trump do. <laughs> what? That wig just says it. He just says it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's something to be said about. I'm just telling you, read no, into that. Like, guess what? He didn't get it. This ain't locked down. Wow. That's going to be an interesting political cycle. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay. Well, Charlie, thanks for bringing up uh, the nursing homes because we've had a lot of people ask, you know, what's going on with that. They haven't heard anything that the governor's been extremely quiet. So thank you for bringing that up. Hey, my folks, my people. Hey, Philippines. <laughs> I'm on it. Oh, and by the way, all, all the stuff you guys send me, all your personal complaints, your issues, the, I, I read it all. I'm, I'm trying to get to it. I know about the auto insurance. I know about so. throwing vulnerable people on a trash pile. I know I'm trying to get there. There's just so much going on. We're, we're not a very big crew, but I know. And yes, everybody, I promise you, I didn't drop dead nursing home. Don't send me little bullshit tweets at night. Don't get me riled. I'm doing it. You're just trained to go for the six hours and then move on. I don't do that. We'll get our answer. Did Mike Duggan get married at Governor Whitmer's dad's house in Florida? <laughs> we don't speculate. You ask, to do, I'm asking. I'm not speculating. That? Why are you asking that? Because somebody asked. Somebody mentioned it. I'm okay. just asking. That we don't, don't do know. that. Listen, hey, hey, who's ever asking? Get off your ass and do something on your own. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Like, like you just dial it up? You watch Netflix, eat some fucking you know popcorn, people. and you I'm supposed people, to do it. Charlie, you found out about the plane, you know. And yeah, I do, but you know, that's public business. That's the public's business. Wherever the, the mayor wants to get married, I don't yeah, care. So what? Yeah. I ain't getting in, in his business. Ooh, okay, here, here's the answer. Yeah. And <laughs> they don't know each other. Hmm. They're not Democrats. Ooh. And he went to Kwame's wedding. Yeah, oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Surprising? Right, yeah. They destroyed emails. You know, the mayor's new wife, he gave her money, said he didn't. And they destroyed emails, nothing happened. Mm. That stuff matters. You, yeah, I know. That's what matters. Come on, focus, motherfucker. I'm talking to the Philippines, not you. I know. <laughs> I want them to focus. I got my shit back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else I'm focused on? Before we go wrap this up? Yeah. Electric vehicles. Oh. Hey, Mannequin, you got an electric vehicle? Yes. <laughs> does he? He does, yes. Yeah, that's great. I, lo I love Fully him. Fully electric. I love it's a great him. great car. I love him. Zero emissions. Mm-hmm. Except Who for- Who has an electric car? Zeus. Ma Mannequin Joe. Mm -hmm. oh, I believe that. Which is zero emissions. <laughs> so he can feel really good like it didn't take carbon to actually build a car. <laughs> or, or you know what it takes to fucking generate electricity? I'll back him up on this, though. He just doesn't have to want to go to the gas station. <laughs> Do you know if 40% of drivers in America had an electric car, you'd have to double electricity output? Hmm. Did you know that? I did not Did know you that. know if we got to that level that you'd have to put 
these are estimates. You'd have to quadruple the amount of money into the grid that Biden wants to put in. Oh boy, it'd be like a quarter trillion dollars. You're gonna have with this grid. Well, I'm just telling you right there. So I, I would like us all to drive electric cars. You know what else I'd like? What? I'd like cheesecake <laughs> that makes you skinny, <laughs> cigarettes that make you live longer. Yeah. yeah. I would like a flying kitty cat unicorn. Right. <laughs> you would? Yeah, my kid would like that. Okay, so, I was going to say, I don't know. Since we're would. asking. See, because we don't have the power grid, Madam Governor, to to deal with this. We California's on fire, right? Yeah. It's a yearly event. Yeah. Like the swallows. worse and worse, yeah. Capistrano, <laughs> right? Michi- Michiganians, it's Michiganians, right? They're left to burn their own dung every time the lights go out, which is like every week. And if anybody in New Orleans actually owns an electric car you know what they're doing with it uh, sleeping in it living probably in it? living on yeah. a banner strip a highway someplace outside of east baton rouge yeah like you know it's great that's a big bet by the big three i don't see it just yet i, I like the tesla design i don't want an electric car first of all i want to be able to drive more than 300 miles without having to stop i don't want to go find a plug to plug my car up and like you said the grid is horrible Think about just, what was it, a few months ago when the power went out? It was almost a week. It came back on. It went back off. So what are we going to do? Walk? I mean, how does that work? See, that's the thing. The cars are great. The infrastructure is garbage. And that's why they have to both go hand in hand. And no, the the cars are still in the process. Well, the battery, yeah. Yeah, it's still in the process, right? So Try not to get in the weeds. It's like the telephone. And it's like the telegraph yeah. and the railroad. The American people will put in for the infrastructure sure. and, and the American highway. But you don't start doing shit until the shit's fucking perfected. Right? <laughs> I know. We you know b- the telephone works. You know the telegraph works. You know the highway works. You don't just start throwing money at it. The way to fix our bad grid and our bad roads is to make new <laughs> electric roads. Without batteries that, like, Karen's afraid to fucking okay. drive to Gary in. <laughs> I would never. Like, I don't. I, I don't. Never what, And I love Gary? the design of the Tesla. I think it's a beautiful vehicle. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, so nope. was the Studebaker. <laughs> so I didn't the- know about that. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up. Listen, folks. Thanks. Thanks for being with us. Uh, you can um, find us on YouTube. Please start moving over there. Subscribe, please. At Charlie Laduff. Uh, no BS News Hour. Charlie Duff, the Americans. You can find it. Right. And um, let me just tell you quickly about my friends at uh, Strong Hearts Native Helpline. If you're hurting in your relationship and you want to talk, they're there to listen. It's free. It's 24 7. It's confidential, anonymous. It's, you know, about dating. It's violence. You need a helping hand. Call them at 844 7 Native. 844 7 Native. Or by using the chat icon at Strong Hearts Helpline. Org. And uh, my working pals at Bricklayers and Ally Craft Workers Local 2, you know it. You looking for a career? I'd get one. <laughs> I'd get one. Want a pension that's going to stay there? Huh. Want a health plan? Yes. Yeah. You want uh, a signing bonus? You want free training? All of it. You want to work? They're looking for you. Free apprenticeships and training opportunities for those looking to get started in a great career. Start by building the future. Go to bricklayers.org or click join BAC. Okay, my brothers and sisters over there at the local. Mm-hmm. I know it's going good for you. I know a lot of people are answering. Okay, finally. You guys met my, my buddy, Eddie Keating. 
the photographer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My road dog, the New York Times, he was on. He told us the story about how the Serbs captured him during the war and made him. He plays harmonica. For his life. Yeah. Mr. Tambourine Man, um, Eddie Keating has walked on. Eddie passed this week, brain cancer. I know he Sorry, got. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah, it's okay. Uh. So whoever that prick was that was making fun of his weak voice, that's called life. That's called a friend. You know, and it's okay. It's okay if we're not all strong or we're not all pretty or we're not all there. We need each other. Just remember that. Let me let me tell you one thing about Eddie. Him besides being my friend and all our hijinks. It says right here. Edward Keating, Times Photographer, dies a uh, Times Photographer at Ground Zero, dies at 65. A handsome dude, too. Let me tell you something about what Eddie left you and you don't know. The New York Times is the biggest, most famous newspaper in the world. It's very old. And until Eddie Keating joined the New York Times, the staff there had never won a Pulitzer Prize for photography, ever. So Eddie comes in, and he changes the way that things are done there. And believe me, man, a hidebound place like that, it's a fight. Eddie let you know that horizons no longer had to be level. That what's in the foreground didn't have to be in focus. That it could be whimsical, that it could be outrageous, that it could be dirty, that it could be true. He changed photography there forever. He's the main guy of many photographers there that won their first Pulitzer Prize at the New York for the New York Times and for themselves in 2002 for their coverage of New York City in the aftermath of 9-11. And since then, since Eddie, the New York Times has won seven more Pulitzer wow. Prizes. So the way that you see images, the way that you expect images to be presented to you, the New York Times has a lot of power and influence, and my man pushed this culture forward. I will not miss him, because he's always going to be alive. I tell you this, I'm always going to love him. Try to tell that to somebody that you're angry with. We'll see you next week. Peace. La, 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 la. myself I might not take it anymore take a woman like your kind to find the man in me but oh what a wonderful feeling just to know that you are near